gentlemen, it's time for the Liberty Cast with Big E, the man who makes the founders seem like moderates. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to the Liberty Cast. I'm your host, Big E, and uh, we had a pretty busy news week this week, and uh, there's a lot to get to. So uh, we may run long this time, and I still may not get to everything. So I'm just going to go ahead and forego the uh, rundown I usually do and just dive right in. Round one. So during the hearings for Judge Kavanaugh and his his confirmation hearings for uh, the Supreme Court, chaos erupted from the word go. We had Democrats disrupting the proceedings from the beginning. We had handmade protesters dressed up like the women from that stupid show, The Handmaid's Tale. We had Code Pink and their ridiculous hats disrupting the proceedings. Uh, Some dude standing outside in a full body condom. I mean, what is going on with these fools? Then we had Spartacus Booker talking about uh, not having 90% of of Kavanaugh's resume on hand to review, which is a lie because more documents have been provided with respect to Judge Kavanaugh's background than the last five previous SCOTUS nominees combined. And not not only that, but most of these people already said that they were going to uh, vote no against them. So what, what, what do they need to review? And then we had this fool, uh, Spartacus, talking about how he was going to break Senate rules in his I am Spartacus moment. Now, I appreciate the comments of my colleagues. This is about the closest I'll probably ever have in my life to an I am Spartacus moment. That reference was wrong on so many levels, but you're not Spartacus. This was not an I am Spartacus moment, and you didn't break any rules because the documents that you were talking about releasing had already been cleared. So you just come off looking like the fool that you are. So, I mean, he's, he, he, he's just ridiculous. He's, he's an attention whore. And I think with, with that stunt and his subsequent talking about breaking the rules all over, all over cable news, uh, I don't think uh, he helped his chances of winning the nomination for president in 2020. We uh, we also had Kamala Harris referring to the Constitution as that book you carry, um, which that's I, I, I was stunned by that because it's it's not just a book that Judge Kavanaugh carries around. It is the founding document of this country and the the law, the supreme law of the land. And she's questioning the person who is if he's confirmed, will be charged with interpreting that book that she referenced so casually and so flippantly. And then she went on to completely mischaracterize uh, comments that he made. She took clips of his comments during the hearing where he was summarizing uh, the position of an anti-abortion group and then taking those comments and characterizing that position as his own. I mean, I don't know how anyone can take this woman seriously. She launched her political career by having an affair with uh, the former mayor of San Francisco, Willie Brown, 
who appointed her to a number of key positions. And then in her current position, she's having the taxpayers of Los Angeles pay for her travel expenses, totaling over $28,000, including hotels, airline tickets, meals. And then she even had LAPD uh, provide her security detail statewide, not just in Los Angeles. So not only is she uh, a homewrecker, but she's fleecing the taxpayers of Los Angeles out of out of their money. But circling back to the to the documents that they would that they want to review uh, with respect to Judge Kavanaugh, two points, one of which I, I already uh, outlined. They already have more documents to review than the past five SCOTUS nominees. But second, I find it extremely disingenuous of them to demand these documents when they passed a 2000 plus page bill that allowed government control of a fifth of the economy and then said that they had to pass it to find out what was in it. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it away from the fog of the controversy. So reviewing documents is not something that they that they ever take seriously unless it has something to do with a Republican Supreme Court justice nominee. Now, the bottom line is Judge Kavanaugh, he's going to get confirmed. He's eminently qualified. And during the hearing so far, he has conducted himself extremely well. And he showed poise and uh, an extraordinary grasp of the law. So and they don't have the votes to, to block him anyway. So they can they can keep grandstanding. They can toss out any accusations. They can they can come with any ridiculousness that they want. But uh, unless unless he completely falls apart and has a meltdown in the hearings this week, he, he he's going to get confirmed. And we're going to have uh, an originalist on the court and bring some sanity back to uh, some of these Supreme Court decisions. And. I've read some of the some of of Judge Kavanaugh's uh, decisions. Some of them I agreed with. Some of them I don't. That that's going to happen at any level. That's going to happen. But at least we can be reasonably certain that in his decisions he's going to be interpreting the law through the lens of the Constitution, not through his political leanings. And that's pretty much all we can ask for. Okay, before we before we take a break, uh, I want to touch on something else that happened this week. A uh, big story that I'm sure you've heard of: Nike and their decision to uh, make Colin Kaepernick uh, the face of their new ad campaign. In the commercial that runs just over a minute, Colin Kaepernick is narrating, and there are clips of uh, Serena Williams, uh, LeBron James, uh, some other athletes, and during his narration, he now famously says, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. And so my question is, what exactly has this guy sacrificed? His career? No. That was already in the toilet. By the time he took a knee, the previous, in, in the previous two seasons, he was a combined 3-16, and 16, so he didn't even start every game. He had a 59 quarterback rating. He had thrown 25 t touchdowns, nine interceptions, 14 fumbles, lost four of them, and was generally, generally regarded at this point as 
a below average quarterback. And those numbers bear that out. So anyone who says that he was or and, and continues to be one of the best quarterbacks available in the league, uh, they're, they're saying that because that's what they want to believe and that's what they're being told to believe because those stats tell a completely different story. Now, could he have gotten on a roster somewhere? Sure. The, there are quarterbacks with worse numbers than, than his during that time that, that, that played. But I told you in a, and I told you in a previous podcast that, that he had a chance to be a, a Denver Bronco, but he turned it down. But the thing is, his stats were not worth the cost that most teams would have to deal with uh, in terms of the circus that would come from signing him. Now, if he had stats like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Matt Ryan or even Ben Roethlisberger, they probably, teams probably would have been willing to deal with the madness that, that he would have brought with them. So if it wasn't his career, then what did he sacrifice? Precisely nothing. Elevating this guy to icon status like Muhammad Ali or, or, or Rosa Parks or any other influential civil rights activist is just ridiculous. I can't even tell you how ridiculous it is. He's a multimillionaire in the only country where he could have achieved that success. When you listen to him talk, he's a complete moron. He only became a millionaire. He only got to where he is because of his athletic prowess, limited as it clearly was. And I mean, it's not that he physically can't do it, because physically he can, but most of the mistakes that led to his downfall as a as an NFL quarterback were mental. He's got a million dollar arm for a five cent head, and everything that he's done since uh, since he's been out of the league suggests that that five cent head that was just mentioned is probably being a little generous. So now that we've established that he hasn't sacrificed anything. Nike could have hit a home run. And I know that's a bit of a clunky metaphor considering that we're talking about a football player, but bear with me. They could have hit a home run if they had used someone like, I don't know, Pat Tillman, even though I know his family doesn't really want his name and his image being used in that way. Uh, but then there's Glenn Coffey. Anyone know who he is? No, I didn't think so. But uh, Glenn Coffey, he was born the same year as Colin Kaepernick. He played for the 49ers, but he sacrificed his NFL career in order to enlist in the United States Army and served for four years. There's someone who actually sacrificed something. And there are examples of, of that type of sacrifice all over the sports community, and they could have used any number of them. But instead, they chose to use a, a petulant, spoiled brat. Okay, we went a little long in that segment, um, but I told you we had uh, a lot to get to. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we get back, uh, we're going to talk about something that uh, uh, it's been talked about a lot in the news lately, but it also strikes uh, a personal chord with me. So when we get back, we will talk about that.
Welcome back to the Liberty Cast. I'm your host, Big E. And um, round two. We've been hearing a lot lately uh, about bringing civility back into political discourse. And I know I've written about this, but I don't know if I've actually mentioned it on any of my podcasts. But does anyone out there who's listening remember uh, Mary Madeline and James Carville? They were political operatives during the Clinton uh, campaign in 1992. Uh, They met during this campaign. Uh, He was uh, I think he was Bill Clinton's campaign manager and and uh, Mary Madeline was a, a strategist uh, on Bush's campaign in 92. They met during that campaign and ended up getting married. And they're still married to this day. Everyone has varying beliefs and values. And of course, it, it helps if everyone in your circle shares some fundamental values. Uh, but you're bound to disagree with them from time to time on various things. I had a friend that I've known for over 30 years. We went to junior high and high school together, and the group of friends that uh, we were a part of, uh, I'm still close to to this day, uh, for the most part, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But like I said, I've known him for, for a long time, and, and although I didn't go to uh, his wedding, I've known his wife pretty much since the beginning. And she and I never agreed on anything politically. Um, And whenever we got together, we would debate. And we were friends. And we agreed to disagree. And I've shared that dynamic with a few people in my life. Until Barack Obama came along, that is. And uh, up until then, when it came to political discussions, uh, I could debate disagree. And there was always a sense that the friendship that we had transcended any political disagreements we had. But leftists have always had this air of superiority. They believe and they have believed for a long time that their beliefs are morally superior. And if you disagree with them, you're not as virtuous as they are. And ever since Obama hit the scene. If you disagree with them now, you're a racist. And if you happen to be black, you're a self-loathing black person, not worthy of being black, which is what this person with whom I used to uh, playfully debate said to me. And that was before she then insulted my wife. Um, So she and I don't speak. And her husband, the guy that I've known since I was 12, he and I don't speak anymore either. And I I told that story because um, I got a call this week from another friend of ours um, who was baffled and hurt that this guy now doesn't want to speak to him anymore because of their different political beliefs. These are guys that, like I said, I've known for over 30 years. And we grew up together. We went to high school together. We were teenage boys together, and we did teenage boy stuff. We had a bond that should transcend this nonsense. And now with uh, Trump in office, it's gotten even worse. If you disagree with the leftist, then not only are you a racist, 
but uh, you're, you're a Nazi or you're a, a Russian agent uh, or a, a white supremacist or, like I said, a self-loathing black man, which ties into the morally superior attitude that they have that I mentioned earlier. I mean, who wouldn't find themselves morally superior to a Nazi or a white supremacist or a Russian agent that wants to harm this country? And that's why they find it so easy to cut off contact from, from quote-unquote friends and to incite violence against strangers. Now, we've established why this is happening. Uh, they believe that they're morally superior and they're, they're better than you and more virtuous than you. Some people seem to think that uh, with the, the right leadership, we can turn it around. I don't think so. I think, I think we are in for a, a very prolonged period of, of divisive, hateful political discourse in this country. Uh, Barack Obama was supposed to usher in a, a, a post-racial, uh, more inclusive era in political discourse in this country. But he became the most divisive political figure in perhaps our history. So I don't know. I, I, think, I think this is just the way it's going to be from now on. Hopefully I'm wrong, but uh, I doubt it. All right, we're going to go ahead and take another break. And uh, when we get back, uh, I'm going to talk about some gun laws that California uh, is trying to, uh, trying to push through. Eight new gun laws in the state of California, as if they didn't already have enough. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that when we get back. Welcome back to the Liberty Cast. So, California is pushing eight new gun laws as if they didn't already have more than enough on the books. Round three. But uh, there's eight, and two are actually on the governor's desk awaiting signature. And I'll put links to all of these bills. Um, in the description so that you can uh, take a look for yourself and see how ridiculous this is. The first one uh, is Assembly Bill 1968, which imposes a lifetime prohibition uh, on owning or buying firearms on anyone who has been taken into custody, assessed and admitted to a designated facility because he or she is a danger to his or herself as a result of a mental health disorder two or more times in one year. The left loves their absolutes. Keep in mind, this does not mention anything about any crimes being committed. So regardless of what circumstances may have contributed to, to this, if this happens two or more times, you give up your, your constitutional rights. The next one uh, that's uh, on the governor's desk is uh, Assembly Bill 2103, which requires a minimum of eight hours of training to receive a concealed carry license in California. Yeah, who knew it was even possible to get a concealed carry license in the state of California? This next one is, is just mystifying. Assembly Bill 1927 requires the Department of Justice 
to study the concept of a voluntary prohibition list. And this law will require the report to be submitted to the legislature no later than January 1st, 2020. What? A voluntary prohibition list. I mean, all you have to do is just not buy a gun if you don't want one. Why does there have to be a law to put someone on a voluntary? It, 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 it makes no sense. Assembly Bill uh, 2888 uh, allows an employer, coworker, or an employee of a secondary or post-secondary school that the person has attended in the last six months to file a petition for an ex parte one-year or renewed gun violence restraining order. So this is essentially uh, a red flag law, which are all the rage these days. Senate Bill 1100 uh, prohibits the sale or transfer of a firearm by a licensee to anyone under 21 years of age, with few exceptions. So again, someone who's 18, who is old enough to vote, old enough to serve their country, is not old enough to defend themselves with a firearm. Ridiculous. Senate Bill 1177 restricts any firearm purchase to one every 30 days, with, again, few exceptions. So if you have the money and you want to buy three or four guns, you can't go into a gun store and buy three or four guns at one time. You have to wait a month each time. I mean, what is going on over there? California just hates freedom. Okay, uh, Senate Bill 1487 prohibits the possession for a certain species of animals or their parts. The fine would range from $5,000 to $40,000 for a violation. Um, these animals include zebras or hyenas. So basically, if you, if you can afford to go on a, on a hunt in Africa and you can get uh, an exotic animal, they are basically trying to make that illegal in the state of California. Unbelievable. And the last one, Senate Bill 221, prohibits gun shows from being conducted at a place called Cow Palace. Whatever. I mean, California is just ridiculous. They, they should go ahead and secede. Seriously. Who, who, who wants them? I mean, I have some dear friends in California, and I've been trying to get them to leave. And if anyone listening is actually in the state of California... Um, hit me up in the comments and, and let me know why you're still there. Um, I, I, honestly, I don't get it. And aren't there more pressing issues in California? Like, I don't know, homelessness, needles in the street, homeless people shooting up, defecating, urinating all over the streets. I mean, maybe they should use some of their energy to, to, to address those issues and leave our constitutional rights alone. But that's just me. All right, on that note, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a, another break. And when we get back, we're going to get you out of here with, uh, uh, we're not going to do any quick hits today, uh, but there are a couple of things that I did want to mention in closing before we, uh, before we get you out of here. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Liberty Cast. Uh, this is Big E. And uh, like I said, we're not going to do any quick hits today, but um, I did want to 
uh, mention a couple of things. Uh, well, I wanted to mention one thing and then uh, I'm going to nerd out for a little bit. So uh, bear with me. But uh, the first thing I wanted to mention uh, in closing is that uh, Twitter officially and permanently banned Alex Jones from the platform. Now, as I've mentioned before, big tech, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Google, YouTube, all of those platforms, they're all run by hardcore leftists. And as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, they have this visceral belief that they have moral superiority over everyone who disagrees with them. And that sense of moral superiority gives them license to throttle free speech because in their mind, their perceived moral superiority gives them the right to determine whether or not what you say can be heard and should be heard because what you say may be dangerous. And if they believe it's dangerous, then it is dangerous and you don't have a right to say it. Here's the thing. If they believe that their arguments, that their beliefs are so much better, then they should be able to withstand a disagreement. They should be able to withstand somebody like Alex Jones or me or anyone else coming at them with, with an argument. They should be able to, to take it. They should be able to argue their points and win those arguments if, uh, if their beliefs are so superior. And yet, every chance they get, they do what they can to silence their critics. And that just proves the weakness of their, of their arguments. So Alex Jones is going to be fine. He has his website. He has other means of, of getting his message out. His subscribers have gone up since all of this happened. So he's going to be fine. But what happens when it's somebody who doesn't have the platform that he does? What happens when it's somebody like you or I who don't have the resources to get our message out the way he does? It's only a matter of time before something like that happens. So with the midterm elections get coming up, get out and vote, contact your representatives, let them know that what's going on is unacceptable. We're going to have this conversation again. Uh, there's no doubt about that, but uh, we're running long. So I want to go ahead and get you out of here and uh, move on to something a little, little more lighthearted and, and nerdy. As you all know, I am a huge comic book nerd. I have seen every Marvel movie, every DC movie multiple times all the Netflix shows that it, all the Marvel Netflix shows I've watched. And even though it just dropped on Friday, I finished watching Iron Fist last night. And uh, so this is going to be a little bit of a, of a review. And if you're watching it now or if you plan to watch it, I will do my best to not spoil it. The first season of Iron Fist was pretty bad. I watched it and upon first viewing, I thought it was pretty good, but I think it was just that I was excited to finally see that character in live action. But as I watched it again and and watched some of the, the fight scenes in it, I realized that it was it was actually not good at all. Finn Jones was a terrible casting choice for for the for the role. They got all the other casting right. Uh, Jessica Henwick has been really good, uh, but Finn Jones and the fight scenes and even the story itself just wasn't that great. That was an origin story and origin stories often are not 
the greatest, but uh, they, they did a terrible job with that one, and everybody knows it. Now we have season two, and it is much better than season one. They got the fight coordinator from Black Panther and the Rocky movies to to uh, choreograph the, the fight scenes, and you can tell the difference immediately. Finn Jones, not a martial artist, but looks a lot better performing some of the moves. And like I said, the story is just uh, a lot better, a lot more compelling. And if you are a fan of Marvel, if you're a fan of the Marvel Netflix shows, if you're a comic book nerd at all, uh, you, you definitely want to check it out. It's, it's, it's worth your time. You may not want to binge it like I did, uh, but like I said, it was only 10 episodes and uh, it only took me a couple nights to get through. And it was it was worth it. Not like the uh, the, the first time, uh, the first season, which was as I was watching the first season, like I said, I was thinking to myself that it was it was a pretty decent show. But as I look back, I realized that it was actually pretty bad. I can say with all confidence, though, that that will not be the case in a few months looking back on this season, because there was also a post credit scene at the end of the final episode and it sets up beautifully season three and it will, if you, if you're a fan of iron fist, if you are familiar with the, if you're familiar with the source material, you will be excited for season three. Okay. I guess I've rambled on enough about iron fist. So uh, we're going to go ahead and, and, and close it out. I want to thank you all for listening downloading subscribing to the podcast and as usual keep your head on a swivel and stay safe everybody